everybody, and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of December 4th through December 10th. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, joined today by Ben Limero. I am sans Alex Plant. Yes, unfortunately, Alex can't be here today. Uh, we've already had a lot of trouble scheduling the recording of this episode, so unfortunately, uh, we don't really have a lot of time left, uh, so it won't follow the usual format, and it won't be formally edited, so I do apologize for that. Uh, but if you know anyone's disappointed by that, our previous two episodes have both been double the usual weekly length, so if you missed either of them, there's tons of extra content that you can go back and listen to. Uh, it's also our last episode before we take a holiday break. How, you excited for that, Ben? Yeah, I'm excited to, you know, sleep. Yeah? <laughs> Got any holiday <laughs> Maybe plans? Maybe build a snowman. Yeah, there you go. There's, uh, there's actually been, like, really good packing snow up here. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Has not been snowing in Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> Big surprise. Uh, we plan to return on the first Sunday in January from that, so it's not too long a pause. Um, but this week is still an awesome episode uh, to send off into the break because we have got a ton of great news to discuss, starting with the Nintendo Switch being revealed on Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, that was kind of a shocker. Yeah, they so they came on to Jimmy Fallon to Reggie and Miyamoto showed up with Bill Trennan was there. They came on to promote Super Mario Run. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a bit here. Um, but the big surprise is that they pulled out the Nintendo Switch. Jimmy got to play it on TV. Uh, they played Breath of the Wild. The frame rate looked better than it does on Wii U, so that's really good news. Um, it looked super light and small and mm-hmm. awesome, and I think they got the message across. Yeah, Things like are the, so you know, good they, they right did now. the whole transition where it was on the screen and he picked it up yeah. and it went straight to the handheld unit and everything looked really smooth. There wasn't there was like maybe like a half a second delay before yeah. it switched from the TV to the handheld. So everything just looked really, really convenient, which is something that they have to nail considering Wii Definitely. U was so confusing and you know, no one knew what the heck it was or anything. So I like I agree, they they did a great job of getting the, the Nintendo Switch message across and they did it uh completely out of the blue and on a show that for some reason, a lot of people watch. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, well, I may not be the biggest Jimmy Fallon fan of the world. Well, they. Um, to be fair, Jimmy Fallon is a huge Nintendo fan. Uh, yeah. you know, he mentioned the story about how Zelda was created, or rather, why the original NES game was created to Miyamoto mm-hmm. on air, and Miyamoto seemed pretty clearly surprised by that. Yeah, um, that, that was so. Great. He's a like genuine he, fan. I think they took it to him a lot because of they it. don't. Yeah, they don't need to sort of phone in the excitement and they don't need to sort of phone in what kind of atmosphere it's going to create for the audience um and that's that's for one really important when you bring these things onto talk shows but also jimmy fallon's the guy who was uh trying to promote the wii u and said that it was a controller for the wii yeah and so <laughs> if jimmy fallon can he's understand a what the switch is then clearly they've got a, a simpler <laughs> marketing this time well uh my, my my point is he's a great sort of uh do over, you know. If, yeah. they can, if they can, something may have gone wrong in the reveal with Jimmy Fallon. Whether it's his fault or Nintendo's, wide open for debate. I think it mm-hmm. was Nintendo's, but uh, <laughs> they didn't have that problem with the Switch, and I think that speaks volumes to its intelligence and design as a product. So you mentioned the improved frame rates on Switch, and that's something that really had me excited. Just watching the video, it seemed way smoother than when we mm-hmm. played it at E3, and I found it pretty choppy, especially when there was like yeah. hordes of enemies on screen at once or when there was an explosion on screen. With rocks falling. 
Yeah, and that's what I thought was cool is that one of the first things they did in their little Breath of the Wild demo was they blew up some barrels so that right away you could say, here's Mm -hmm. an explosion, and look, it's still smooth. And then Game Explained did their analysis of it, and they said it appears to be running at uh, a steady 30 frames per second without any drops. And I've also seen some people take, like, some uh, comparison screenshots. And this is a little harder to judge just based off of screenshots from mm-hmm. some brief footage. But it looks like the draw distances are also improved on Switch. Like, you can see further nice. and you can see more detail off in the distance. I didn't see the draw distance piece, but that's really good. That's good mm-hmm. news. And and that's that's really important, I think, because, like... Uh, the the Wii U version that we played at at E3 that also had some issues with popping, or sometimes mm-hmm. like shadows or yeah. just whatever barrels, trees, or stuff would kind of just appear out of nowhere as you started to get closer. And hopefully, with improved draw distances, that's not going to be an issue on Switch. It'll be you more... might say the visuals are no longer having popping, but instead they're really popping. You might say that. I would not <laughs> under any circumstances. <laughs> Um, but like for for a game that's so based on this big open world where you can go anywhere that you can see i think it's really important for it to be an immersive experience where you can actually see those things off in the distance and they're not popping in and out so i think the switch version is definitely going to be superior in that aspect absolutely um so the other big thing is super mario run uh they gave a sneak peek at every level in super mario run i think that was a game explained video mm-hmm. um but they showed off super mario run to jimmy fallon they showed it off um to the whole audience of course um but they've also been promoting it lately because it comes out as a recording in five days but uh when you're listening maybe five i might get this up tonight but probably four days uh december 15th for ten dollars and uh, so they're getting the message out there, not only on Jimmy Fallon, but I saw like a BuzzFeed video of Miyamoto trying to eat cake with one hand while playing Super Mario Run with the other. <laughs> um, so they're they're really getting the message out there. And we've also learned that. Uh, oh, well, and the other big thing is uh, they're they've got demos at Apple stores. So you can go to Apple stores right now, listeners, and mm-hmm. demo Super Mario Run. Um, and then when the, the full game comes out, I think you get to play the first four levels if you download the demo. So I see that that sounds like a good amount. That sounds mm-hmm. like a fair um, little teaser. And then I think you also get to try little bits of the the other two game modes too. I don't know how much yeah, uh, of those you get to try. That's that's a good transition. I want to mention really briefly because I am excited about this, but I think the other the other uh, subject is a little more important. You can unlock Luigi, Yoshi, and Toad as playable characters in Super Mario Run. Yeah, um, and maybe we'll come back to this. Uh, but I think that that's a really good sign that uh, they're starting to think about games on mobile devices versus games on home consoles and their dichotomy really well because these are the kinds of things that would happen in NES games to increase interest is make four Mm -hmm. playable characters and let you unlock them. Like, this feels so much more like a traditional video game and a traditional Nintendo game to Mm -hmm. me uh, because of these kinds of reward mechanisms and gameplay structures and... um, I I know a lot of people are going to hear that and think bad things that that mobile games are becoming more like old Nintendo games and especially that Nintendo is can be the driving force behind that but um I actually think that that is a pretty good sign for the future of Nintendo stuff 
And, and, and um, I think it's it's almost necessary that you put that sort of console or handheld like experience into Super Mario definitely. Run if you're going to charge a uh, you know a one time payment of ten dollars instead yeah. of making it free with microtransactions. If you're having people pay for it like a product, then it, it needs to to feel like a complete video game product. Absolutely, absolutely, very good point. And um, but the thing that's not so great about it is that you seem to need to be connected to the internet all the time to play. And not only yeah, that, I, but I there's a rumor going around, and I did not look into this because it didn't look super credible. Uh, so, you know, you can put all your trust in me. But um, <laughs> it seemed like people are starting to think, and I don't know if it's true or not, but that it could use up to 75 megabytes an hour of data, which is a huge amount if you're going to be playing Super Mario Run. Yeah, well, it's I've only seen one source behind that. They don't really say where the information came from. It was Apple Just skepticism Insider. of Nintendo. <laughs> well, it was it was Apple Insider, and their, their uh-huh. quote is: "Apple Insider has learned that the title will require seventy-five megabytes of data per hour of constant involved play after the initial okay. after the initial download, and in most cases, significantly less." So I'm not really oh, okay. sure what that means. Okay. Um... <laughs> So like Who up knows? to seventy five, but it won't always. I mean, there, so take the reason that they want to connect it to the internet all the time is so that you can sync to my Nintendo mm-hmm. constantly. I don't know why they can't just let you go offline for a little bit and sync when you come back. That seems totally absurd to me, um, mm-hmm. because you know, like that—that that means that people can't be playing Super Mario Run on like an airplane. Yep. Or like you know the train station like subway. Yeah, like if a subway goes underground and you can't get service, like. No more or, Super you know, Mario Run. So that room seems on to days. <laughs> <laughs> or my new apartment now. Yeah. Um, so, so that that kind of defeats the purpose in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that it seems to be for a relatively insignificant reason. If they want to just be sinking my Nintendo coins and and rewards data, all the like records and things, I, I just I don't think they need this infrastructure there. Yeah. I've heard it's also probably like an anti-piracy measure, but mm, I don't know. Man. It just it's uh. it seems super counterintuitive for something that that they've been marketing as hey for for the first time ever you can easily play Mario anywhere uh, you know with yeah. one hand like you've always got your phone on you anytime you're bored yeah whip it out and play Mario it really but, it, it kind of sacrifices a lot of the purpose of bringing yeah. Mario to mobile is you want Mario to be available everywhere with you not just where you know certain stations are that you can play home video games right um but then it's not available everywhere with you it's only in certain stations where you can access the internet Mm -hmm. and that's a lot of the time not right at home but a lot of the time that you're going to be using mobile you will not want to be using 75 megabytes of data yep uh because it also affects battery life in a huge way um i you know i think the the enormous rate at which Pokemon Go drains batteries of cell phones is one of the biggest reasons I would say that people have abandoned it so quickly um, mm-hmm. because it you know it's it's a you have to commit to playing Pokemon Go for a little bit and then charging your phone again so you know it's really more so for little outings rather than when you have a break at work and you want to catch Pokemon for 15 minutes right um, yeah, I think Super Mario Run has a ton of potential, but this just seems like a step in the wrong direction. Yeah, so, yeah, so um, that's good. Well, no, it's uh, that is bad, but the it's rest of it is day. good. That is bad, but the rest of it is good. It's been a long year. Uh, <laughs> uh, but next up, 
Uh, things are still good in the world of Nintendo because Miyamoto has shared an update on Universal Studios' Nintendo theme park attractions. Uh, so Miyamoto and uh, someone from Universal Theme Parks, they made a video. It was basically saying, you know, we want to bring the magic of Nintendo to Universal Theme Parks. But they showed off some set pieces uh, like warp pipes and question blocks from the Mario universe. Um which some people have been sort of reading into to say that it will really only be Mario at Universal, but I kind of think that they just want to have Mario be heralding Nintendo and, you know, the rest of the Nintendo universe into Universal, not as the yeah, only I mean, torchbearer, but most, just as the, you know, He's the, the most the iconic figure in yeah. Nintendo and probably all of gaming, so. Totally, totally. Um, but uh, some patents have arisen as well, uh, uh, suggesting that Universal theme parks... We'll get a Mario Kart ride and a Donkey Kong Country Mine Kart ride. So I'm pretty super excited for both of those. Heck yeah. Uh-huh. By the way, we predicted this over a year ago. Just saying. If we say it, it happens. Just saying. Brush your shoulders <laughs> off. Um, yeah, like from, from the description of, uh, they call it drift racers, but the description makes it sound like Mario Kart Double Dash, where you have mm-hmm. one person sitting in the front of a vehicle and another person in the back, and the person in the front can steer, and then the person in the back, uh, let's see what it, what it says. They have a control interface with buttons that allow you to uh, provide a boost to the vehicle or affect the performance of other riders on the track. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. that sounds to me like mushrooms and green shells. That's when you get items. Yeah, you run over an item on the course, and then the controls light up in that back seat, and you, mm-hmm. yeah, depending on whether you get mushrooms or green shells, you can screw people so, up. Or even they can do different kinds of programming things with banana peels, and they can yeah. do blue shells by programming it, like, specifically for a, a button effect to target the player in first place. Like, there's a lot of programming stuff that they could do to make this ride work in that way. And Game Explain has uh, theorized that rather than this being like a an actual track that you physically move on, I mean the the cart you're sitting in is going to physically move. The patents show it like shifting back and forth to simulate drifting. But uh, mm-hmm. Game Explain theorizes that this will be like a simulation thing. It'll be like those uh, arcade racers where you sit in a car and then like race and watch the screen or whatever, except on a much oh. bigger scale and where you can you know affect the other racers in their respective carts as well. That's really interesting. Okay. And man, what if they made that a VR attraction? Wow. That'd be insane. The future's crazy, dude. And well, you know, that's that's one of the things Miyamoto talked about was that their their goal with these theme park attractions is to make it feel like you're walking right into yeah. your favorite video game, essentially. They want you to be fully immersed, which to me brought back uh thoughts of Zelda at E3 where they designed mm-hmm. the, their whole booth to just be, to, to look like Hyrule so that you yeah. can walk through ruins and see enemies and stuff while you're playing the game and it sounds like they want to do similar things but for multiple franchises Right. And, and that is and, super exciting you know, in, to me In a mass distributed way not just at E3 for three days but you mm-hmm. know at multiple universal theme parks for anyone who wants to come anytime they're open Um. So that's that's really cool. That's exciting. And then the Donkey Kong Country minecart attraction. Um, I feel like they can use some some kind of technology to make the cart feel like it's being shaken and jump like jumping off of one track and landing on another. And I feel well, like it the, sounds in theory like something that w- could be pretty boring. But if they develop the right sorts of like rigs for this thing, I think it could actually be a really cool simulation of like a Donkey Kong Country minecart ride and not just you know. Uh, sort of slowish roller coaster that says that Donkey Kong is there. 
Yeah, well, what, what the patents show is actually, like, two different tracks, like a, an upper track and a lower track. Mm-hmm. And then the carts that you're riding on are, are, uh, are, like, connected to this arm device that can actually, like, lower and rise the cart to the different tracks. So, like, when you... Uh, it, you know, in 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 the games, you have to like sort of take a leap of faith and like jump off your track and then land right. on another one lower. So this like mechanical arm would simulate that, where it would to to you it would feel almost like you're you're just falling through the air, but really it would all sure. be controlled and you'd just be moving from one track to another one. What I didn't I'm, quite get from that though was whether this arm, like whether this layout is like uh, an upper track and a lower track, and it moves you back and forth, or if they are actually switching off in that way, like you're jumping and falling and. And and or jumping back up to land on the upper track. Um, yeah, it's kind of hard to see just from like uh, some two D pattern drawings, but sure, there's there's definitely a lot of potential there. Yeah, so very cool stuff, and uh, I have a feeling that they will be announcing some more stuff soon in the future. Um, yeah, it's interesting that these surfaced just right after we got our first update in you know probably almost a year on uh, their plans yeah. for it. Uh, let's see. Pokémon Tournament in arcades is getting Empoleon as a playable fighter. Uh, a lot of you may remember Empoleon is the final Pokémon that leaked as a fighter a while ago. Um, but So that makes three of three, Empoleon, Caesar, and Darkrai. But we've since then gotten Krogunk as well. So, you know, it might not be the end of DLC. Um, those of you who don't live in Japan near a Pokémon tournament arcade machine you know you can look forward to playing as empoleon in the unannounced nintendo switch port of it um i mean we said it on the show so it's gotta happen that's yeah i mean there you go oh so the next interesting story i was actually recently talking with a friend about this uh there's a report from um who what was this source again oh that's right it was liam robertson yeah so uh they reported that nintendo was offered uh, a pitch for a Star Fox Warriors game from Koei Tecmo, of course, the developers of Samurai Warriors games, Hyrule Warriors. Um, and Nintendo said no uh, over questions regarding the future of the series. A lot of people have taken that to mean whether the series will be supported very heavily in the future, but it could also mean, you know, whether they want Star Fox to have any sort of 3D combat games in the future. They they tried something kind of like that on GameCube and walked way the heck away from it, so... Um, yeah. It's, it's unclear. What do you think about the idea of a Star Fox Warriors game, though? I mean... I, I don't really know what to think of it. it. It sounds like the majority of it would have been land-based with melee combat, and mm-hmm. then they'd mix in some air combat, too. And yeah. I can't say I'm super thrilled about that idea. I'd, I'd love to the see more... The blend wouldn't work, I don't think. I think that they could make a cool game if it's just, if they don't try to work in aerial combat. Because mm-hmm. um, there are lots of Star Fox characters uh, that can have really interesting moves, um, in, just in, in their general combat styles, like a panther is going to play totally different from this crazy, like, stretchy lizard who's going to play right. totally different than a quick little fleet-footed fox with a blaster. Um, so I think that there's a lot of potential in, like, the settings that they can put these characters in and the way that they can make the missions interesting. But um, I just don't feel like it... I, I don't feel like the quality of that game will be strong enough that it does much good for the Star Fox brand. Uh, I agree. It probably won't sell very much um so you know it might not be worth taking the risk um i think that's just sort of what they're looking at is if hyrule warriors wasn't like revolutionary by using all of zelda's best moments how can a game that uses Star Fox's best moments you know be very worth it 
Yeah, I, w- I would definitely like to see Koei Tecmo and Nintendo continue to work together, and I think yeah. there are other Nintendo franchises that are just far more ripe for this kind of crossover than Star Fox. Um, the only other one that I can see would be Fire Emblem, just because if they rejected a Star Fox Warriors crossover, um, I don't know that they would think that the gameplay of any other series would blend well enough. Like, you know, I, I think there's so many cool ideas they could do with, like, Pokemon or Mario or Mother, but, like, mm-hmm. none of those games really seem like they would translate to the Warriors uh, combat style the way that Star Fox can, given that it has the precedent of Star Fox Adventures on the GameCube. Yeah, I, I think Pokemon would be a very interesting one. And Koei Tecmo has actually said in the past that they would like to work on a Pokemon Warriors mm-hmm. game, but I, I don't know how quick Nintendo will be to agree to that. But I agree with Granted, you that Fire uh, Emblem more of the weight there might be behind the Pokemon company, so I guess that is still a possibility. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I don't see many Nintendo exclusive IP. But I'm, uh, I'm not surprised that this was shot down. This was reportedly yeah. pitched to Nintendo in early 2016, so this would have been right yeah. about the time that they were in crunch time on Star Fox trying to get it out the door and avoid and another recognizing delay. recognizing that it was not going to do very well at that point. Yeah, so this, this seems like just about the worst possible timing to pitch a, a Star Fox spinoff yeah. game to Nintendo. Yeah. Um, especially because, like, even if they pitched it now at the end of the year, it could have... You know, they could be considering it for the Switch, but um, just bad timing for sure. Um, and another interesting uh, media adaption story, the director of Shark Tale and Goosebumps has signed on to direct the Detective Pikachu movie. Uh, it's officially being written by Alex Hirsch, the creator of Ga- Gravity Falls, and uh, some- Linda Perlman, right? Um, uh, I believe that's right. I'm in this weird recording dome, so the foam is... That's got to sound absolutely bananas for listeners. I'm going to leave <laughs> that mystery unsolved for uh, Nicole you. Perlman is the Nicole Perlman. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, so what do you think about that? I got to say, I really don't have many thoughts on this just because I'm, I'm like looking at Rob Letterman's IMDb right now, and I don't think I've watched anything he's made, honestly. Oh, really? Um, not even yeah. Monsters vs. Aliens, Ben? Nope, didn't see Monsters vs. Aliens. But they had a dude with one eye in it. It was awesome. <laughs> that's that's your sales pitch? I mean, that's, that's what I look it. for in a movie. <laughs> as long um, as there's a Cyclops, I don't care. It's perfect entertainment. <laughs> I mean, it's it sounds like they're they're getting people that uh, you know are, are used to writing for like a sort of younger audience and that are yeah. are used to to working with uh, kind of these fantastical tales. So I think yeah. that that could be good. And I again, I'm, I feel terrible about this, but I've never actually gotten into Gravity Falls. It's like it's next yeah, on my list of like cartoons to get into because half of our staff is like obsessed with it. I think <laughs> so. I'm gonna check it out eventually. But the fact yeah. that they got Alex Hirsch to write it seems like a really good step in the right direction. And yeah. like I said, I don't personally have any strong thoughts about Rob Letterman, but it seems like a relatively fitting pick for director. Yeah, um, I don't know what I think about the live-action and CGI crossover if, you know, we can use Goosebumps as a precedent. Uh Um, Because, like, I don't think that the animation styles of Shark Tale or Monsters vs. Aliens would translate that well to a Detective Pikachu movie, um, like, if there were very realistic human characters. I mean, maybe if... uh, What if one of them has one eye? I mean, if one of them has one eye, it's good, as long as they include (laughs) Woobat. I guess that's a nose. 
Magneton, Magnemite. Magneton has three. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I, I guess I would just rather see it fully CG animated and not not uh, live action crossover if Rob Letterman is going to be the director. But we'll see how it goes. Fair enough. Um, more Pokemon news. Pokemon Go, if I can see through this foam dome. Pokemon Go has gotten a big update, which includes customizable avatar data, uh, audio files for 100 new Pokemon, so those Johto guys are coming pretty soon, it sounds like, and more. There's like a baby Pokemon feature, so uh, it's also now got the new tracker available in most regions of the world. And they are so maybe now we'll stop getting comments on every article saying, yeah, but where's the tracker? Yeah, uh, well, (laughs) and not just that, but people can actually play this game again. It's not just a throw of the dice when you open the app and suck all your battery away. You actually can see where things are going to be. Just in Um, time for winter. Yeah, right. Uh, And they also partnered with Sprint to turn over 10,000 stores into Pokestops and gyms and Starbucks to do the same for 7,800 locations and a specialty Pokemon Go drink. So they are definitely uh, very heavily invested in reviving Pokemon Go uh, and its player base in maybe the coming weeks, maybe the coming months, probably maybe even the coming days. Yeah, you know, they're announcing something on December 12th. So. Yeah, they're they're supposed to give more details about the next batch of Pokemon on the twelfth. I don't know if we're going to get all a hundred Jodos or if they're going to trickle them out slowly or sure. or what. But you know, they've they've been partnering with a bunch of companies in Japan, mm-hmm. and you know, I think it's it's a it's a great practice to turn more and more businesses into Pokestops. It's it's good for the local economy. It's good for Pokemon players. Obviously, yeah. I feel like they waited a little too long to start doing that in the U.S. Because you know, like we've talked about, there's a lot of fans that have stopped playing because of the tracker being gone or because of the battery being too draining or, or whatever other reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, you know, it's it's winter now. Like, I don't know, with the weather's probably better where you're at, but where I'm at, it's like consistently 20 degrees outside now. So oh, yeah. I, I feel like striking up some of these partnerships and bringing some of these new features to Pokemon Go like a month or two ago would have been a lot more effective than doing it now, but it's yeah. still nice to see them uh, making the effort to sort of revive the game and hopefully get it back close to where it was before. I don't think you're ever going to reach the, the heights of July and August, but I think you can still have it being a, a chart-topping game with the right features and the right support. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think I think that what the timing comes down to probably more than anything is that this is they were working fast, they were working hard, and this is the timing with which things can sort of come together and they can line up different things that they've been working on to happen at the same Mm -hmm. time rather than scatter them out across, you know, like a week and a half between each different thing going on. Um, If they can sort of pull all those big events, event dates rather together um, and make Pokemon Go into a better experience on the whole, not just a better game, not just a game with better brand deals, not just a game with more Pokemon in it, but all of those things at once, then that's good whenever it happens. Uh, If they were specifically thinking of the timing and trying to decide like what features and what to do um, based around when they were going to make these big events, I would agree with you. Um, I think that... uh, Probably what would have been on their mind if that were the case was that the winter season is when high schools, middle schools, colleges, people are home for the holidays. So there's a lot of vacation time and Mm -hmm. downtime in December. And in those months, people can be going out and running around their neighborhoods catching Pokemon. 
But, you know, who, who's to say whether that was their priority or whether it was just that, you know, the game came together in a nice way and this is when it happened to be. Right. Um, so next up is more Pokemon. Uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon contain data of walking and running animations for all Pokemon. And that sounds lame. That sounds like there is nothing special about it. But... Uh, if you think about the way that you see the Pokemon's models in the games, they're mostly standing around, maybe doing one sort of stationary action. Um, but every single one of them has an animation for walking and running. And what people have been wondering, these are low-poly models that are rigged the animations too. So what people have been wondering is if there's going to be an update in the future or if Pokemon Stars is planned to have a Heart Gold, Soul Silver, and even Pokemon Yellow-like feature where the Pokemon in the front of your party just follows behind you all the time on your adventure. And that's what I'm really hoping for. Me too! Like, it, it might be a little difficult to pull off with the, the more 3D perspective of Sun and Moon, but uh-huh. like you said, Stars, I think it's it's a good possibility that they'll be able to do that on Switch because I want to walk around Alola with like a 20-foot executor behind me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if the executor model just went all the way off screen no matter where you were on it, that would be amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I hope that's true. I always just loved the company of the Pokemon following behind you. Um, it made the world feel alive. It built your relationship with the Pokemon a little better. And I think there are cool ways that that feature can interact with uh, Pokemon Refresh and things in order to really sort of build that relationship between you and your Pokemon. Um, so thumbs up, um, and I guess just a little footnote about Sun and Moon, they are now the fastest selling Nintendo games ever in the Americas, Europe, and Europe, and they were the most popular games on Black Friday, so they've now sold over 2.1 million copies in Europe, and over 8 million worldwide. And a lot of that is the Pokemon Go effect, people are excited about the franchise again. Yes. Um, Brand awareness is at a, a decade's high, probably. Yeah, I mean, fantastic news. I think that this is going to really encourage them to be doing smart, good things with uh, the Pokemon brand, forward-thinking things like making more apps and making um, like more of the TV show available on things like like the TV shows available on Netflix every season, every series. Um But stuff like that, I think they're going to want to be using the brand a little bit more flexibly just because Pokemon Go has proven that as long as your brand is really strong in pop culture, your products will do better. Mm -hmm. Um, So just make your brand stronger in pop culture, like catch up to consumption habits. Don't make consumers come to you. Um, So that's encouraging for the future, uh, and hopefully that extends to to Nintendo as well. but the only other thing that happened with Pokemon is uh, the only other thing um, <laughs> is that uh, two more episodes of Pokemon Generations launched. Uh, there's one wherein N battles Getsis, and one where Lysander of Team Flare attends business meetings and tries to make a threat in a coffee shop, and it goes horribly wrong. And it was the cheesiest, worst video I've ever seen. Lysander is Colin's favorite video game the character other ones ever. were pretty good. Well, it was just so cheap. He's like, his line, the, the, like, the big dramatic moment for him uh, in his, I guess, scheming phase in this video was the line, like, I would hate it if the world became uglier. <laughs> what kind of threat is that? Oh, man. Hey, man, he's got his motivations. <laughs> good ones, I'm sure. Uh... <laughs> Good thing Sun and Moon at least have a better story. Um, 
So, you know, all those little stories aside, there is a lot going on in the world of the Nintendo Switch. We are already running way over time, but thank goodness that I don't need to edit this much um, because we are not nearly done with all the stuff that's happened. Um, There are Switch press events in New York and Paris on January 13th and Australia January 14th. Of course, Australia is over the dateline, so... I believe uh, there's also jealous. one in London around the same time, but yes, I'm not Yes, I think London that, is so. on the 12th. Japan's on the 12th. Um, anyway, uh, there is probably lots that's going to be announced for this thing. You know, it will be about a month away uh, from their reveal of this console on Jimmy Fallon. So that's pretty nice timing to sort of pre- get this big announcement of the bulk of information, your launch price, your launch games, like what the SKUs are going to be, like what kinds of games people can expect from this. And that'll um, so kick the, off like two months of heavy marketing before the system yep. itself launches. Yeah, so the hype train is boarding, is about to leave the station. Um, choo PlayStation boss Shuhei Yoshida says that the Switch is unique and good for core gamers. Um, yeah, I found this quote a little interesting uh, because later in the same interview, he more or less says that he doesn't expect Switch to really compete with PlayStation. He expects it to carve out its own audience, which is you know what the Wii did, where sure. now, it didn't really steal many Xbox or PlayStation fans away. It just attracted millions of new gamers right. to the gaming market, people that hadn't considered themselves gamers before. So I'm not really sure what uh, Yoshida thinks of the Switch because he says that it's great for core gamers, but also says it won't steal away sony gamers it'll attract its own market so i don't know it kind of seems like a contradiction to me uh i think part of it does seem contradictory for sure i think there's to some extent he's thinking at least for a while like it'll be good for core gamers who buy it i think that he's really just trying to save face though if he really Mm -hmm. does believe that um you know, it's not going to compete at all with PlayStation. I think he just sort of means, like, you know, this has come after a while. We are probably going to be doing very different things with PlayStation than you guys are doing with Nintendo Switch. Uh, like, you know, we're going to be investing in, like, pro consoles and minor iterations and VR mm-hmm. and our online services. And Nintendo is going to take a 10-year leap backwards on their online services. Just watch. <laughs> um, but... Uh, we, yeah, we, we don't know a lot about it. But, and um, Yoshida has also said in the past that he always likes it when Nintendo makes new hardware that sells yes. well because it brings in young, new gamers into mm-hmm. the market, and then they usually, years down the line, uh, sort of graduate into also buying Sony products. Yeah. Um, but it will have some games, at least, some games. Some. Uh, Stardew Valley is canceled on Wii U, so I guess bad news for anyone who was still hoping that a game would come to the Wii U in the future, and <laughs> it's coming to Nintendo Switch instead. So um, there's that. Seasons of Heaven is an exclusive Nintendo Switch game. It's an indie game running on Unreal Engine 4, so also confirms the Unreal information. Um, and it looks gorgeous. Uh, I don't know what it's about, but you can get more info about that at Gamnesia if you don't have anything to say, Ben. Uh, I, I haven't looked too much into it, but apparently okay. it's uh, about a boy with Asperger's syndrome and his French oh, bulldog. Oh, interesting. Okay, interesting. Looks very um, pretty. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. I saw the screenshots, um, but uh, yeah, I think I'm mostly going to be preoccupied with all of the games that Nintendo's making uh, yeah. that are coming for it. That uh, this this looks like a great title if the Switch doesn't actually have very many games in its first year. But it sounds like that's not the story. So. Um, I don't know how closely I'll be following this. Um, The other really exciting thing, uh, 
is a much, much bigger story if the Switch is going to be good for core gamers. Uh, Loricate Dale reported that Dark Souls 3 is up and running on the Nintendo Switch, and Bandai Namco is considering re-releasing the entire trilogy. I think as one disc, right? Or is it... Uh... It, it was kind of vague. Uh, okay. it, it, it wasn't really clear whether they intend to release them separately or all in one package or not. But mm-hmm. yeah, they've got a small team working on porting it to Switch, and they've said it's at a it's at a place now where they're happy with how it runs, but they're kind of playing a wait-and-see game to see if Switch is actually uh, a viable enough platform that they're going to pour the resources into fully releasing it. Yeah, um, I mean, I feel like Bandai Namco has such a good relationship with Nintendo that it's bound to happen. Um, and I think Dark Souls has such strong, amazing overlap with the play styles of, from which Zelda was born. Um, you know, we've made those comparisons a million times on the show. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be a really, really big, big mistake not to release Dark Souls you know, if not the entire trilogy on one disc, I think that's the way to do it because then a ton of Nintendo fans can sort of get immersed in what Dark Souls is um, and be brought up into that hardcore world that coexists alongside what Zelda does. Um, and, you know, as a Nintendo fan, as someone who plays Dark Souls, it's so good and you're all going to love it. So, And, you know, I've, I've also seen and actually myself made comparisons between Breath of the Wild and Dark Souls just uh-huh. because enemies are, are doing so much damage now in, in the footage that we've seen. And there's such a diversity of enemies with different tactics where you can't approach them all the same way and fight the same way. You kind of have to learn from each enemy. So if, if Nintendo fans end up falling in love with Breath of the Wild, which why wouldn't they, then right. this uh, it might sort of help them graduate onto uh, a tougher game like Dark Souls in a similar Definitely. style, but maybe with a, a harder difficulty and geared towards an older audience. Definitely. And the other good thing about that is that, you know, once people have finished exploring and doing everything they want in Breath of the Wild, and then if they can move on to Dark Souls, you know, it's not like having one game in the genre is a good move. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're going to want multiple games for people who like those kinds of games so that when they're done with one, they can hop over to a different one um, and not have to then decide between like, well, do I get my 2D platformer now? Do I try out a racing game? No, I can keep playing the games that I like, but do it from different developers and different franchises. Um, so that's, that would be an amazing move from both nin- or from Nintendo side, at least I would bet from, from software side, Mm-hmm. Um, especially considering they are so heavily inspired by Zelda, their game 3D Dot Game Heroes is basically a Zelda NES ripoff. Um, I always forget that they made that. It's so good. It's the best Zelda clone there is out there. And and then they went on to make a game series that is even crazier and more hardcore than Zelda, um, doing a lot of things right. Uh, I mean, now Breath of the Wild is here, but doing a lot of the things that Zelda forgot how to do right, right in the modern era, and, you know, seeing a little give and take there, and building a closer relationship with Nintendo themselves, I think that would be awesome for so many reasons. Um, But uh, beyond Bandai Namco and From Software, Ubisoft hopes to bring, quote, a wide variety of software to Nintendo Switch. Uh, There was also a 30th anniversary video from Ubisoft that featured Mario and Rabbids crossover characters. Uh, They were, like, Rabbids-shaped but painted like Mario characters. I hope that's not what the crossover game looks like. (laughs) But But it does uh, seem to really indicate that that was uh, a legit story. Yes, yes. Um, As for a wide variety of software... That can mean a lot of things. That could mean a very non-serious level of commitment. That could mean a very heavy level of commitment. Like, 
Yeah, it's with, a lot of with PR Ubisoft, speak. It, you know, I'm after all the praises they sang for Wii U and then ended up dropping all support like 18 months later, it's... Uh, I'll wait and see on this one. You know, if, sure. if Switch sells well, then sure, I believe that Ubisoft will bring all their big hitters to it. But if it kind of struggles, then you know, we'll see Just Dance, we'll see this Rabbids game, and then maybe the occasional uh, multi-plat game here and there if they think it'll sell. But it it really, I think, depends. Just like with From Software, I think they're going to play a wait and see game, and they're going to watch and and pay attention to how well uh, Switch is selling and what kinds of games are selling on Switch. Definitely. Um... Oh, uh, no motorcycles. Uh, sorry to listeners who have had lots of sounds. Um, but, oh, the, the other big thing for games, though, and for gamers, is a report from Eurogamer, which says that the Switch will have GameCube Virtual Console games. And number yes. one, it's about time. But the bigger one, number two, is this so far includes Mario Sunshine, Luigi's Mansion, and Super Smash Bros. Melee. All great awesome. picks. All around the board. And they, they also said that uh, Animal Crossing is in the works, too, and they're going to try to get that up and running on it. Fantastic. So. Yeah. Mario Kart Double Dash, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy Hatcher from Sega. Chibi Robo, of course, from Nintendo, because that game deserves to be out there for real and not a Ziplash. And Thousand Year Door, please. <laughs> oh, God, yes, of course. But that re- that should be an HD remake. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, there was a report that said the Switch gets a clock boost that lets it run at 1080p when it's docked. Um, I think that's probably very legitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything to say about it. We've heard for a while now that there's going to be uh, a little bit of a performance boost when docked, and the speculation up until now has been that there would be an external CPU or GPU that gives a little boost, but what mm-hmm. it sounds like is actually going to happen is just that when you dock it, the dock itself takes over like the video and audio output, so that allows the the switch to focus more on the games. And so uh, instead of adding a second CPU, what'll happen is the first CPU gets overclocked mm. and then there's a fan in the dock that compensates and keeps it cool so that it doesn't over uh, overheat. That's nice. So um, as a result, when you dock it, a game should run at you know 720 on the go because yeah. that's what the resolution of the screen is. But when you dock it, they're going to aim for 1080p for their games at home. Yeah, which, which is great. Sounds great to me. And yep. it's it's a cost-effective way of doing it, too. They don't really have to pay for any extra hardware, just an extra fan. Yeah, very creative solutions. Um, the final story about Switch is that it's got a USB-C port. Uh, this was seen on Jimmy Fallon. Uh, you could notice it in the bottom of the console. Uh, this is seen some. This is seen in some accessories that EB Games listed online uh, that charge the Switch b- via a USB-C cable. Uh, and the really nice thing about this, besides what we uh, have talked about earlier, that it's no longer a proprietary charger. Um, that if you lose, you need to buy a whole new one for thirty bucks. Um, and USB-C cables are a lot more common than that. Um, but it is an extremely fast method of charging. Yeah, which is going to be great since you know this this is a right. machine that you need to be able to take on the go. And since we've heard that the battery life might not be the best, uh, having it as simple as possible and as quick as possible to charge is going to be really key in sort of offsetting that. Absolutely. So you know, if you can get get home and plug it in for fifteen minutes, and then it's got a full battery, like that is. 
Awesome. Uh, that's that's going to be a real big relief in the concern for uh, such a bad battery life. Um, it's not like they wouldn't need to fix the battery life in future models of the Switch, which they will inevitably make, but it does mean that it's going to be a lot less consumer unfriendly, at least at launch. Mm-hmm. Um, Nintendo is also offering up to $20,000 to people who can hack the 3DS to find security issues. Uh, for a long time, as a lot of you listeners might know, people have been hacking the 3DS to find like security flaws in games that let them bypass the system operating uh, software and do things like load emulators and play pirated games um, uh, and, and do things that you cannot normally do on a 3DS. Like, I think there was a Pokemon cloning glitch at one point um, through one of these security issues. They've had to take down a lot of eShop games because they opened the 3DS to these bugs. Um, So it's no surprise at all that uh, they are basically incentivizing the people who do this anyway uh, to report those security issues to Nintendo, make some money off of it, and also at the same time ensure that their system is, you know, secure. Yep, I'm kind of surprised it took him this long to start offering a cash reward. Right? Um, Getting into these smaller things that are sort of left over from the lightning round, so Metroid Other M and Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon are available on the Wii U Virtual Console in North America, while Demon's Crest is available on the new Nintendo 3DS Virtual Console. Um, So if you haven't checked out any of these games, you know, now's a good time. Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon is Marth's game if you haven't... uh, played the original Fire Emblem story. Um, okay, so I guess Ben doesn't have anything to say. Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Really. Neither do I. Uh, Meloetta Other is now... the best game ever made. <laughs> Meloetta is now available to download in the sixth generation Pokemon games, as are Arceus and Magirna. Uh, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see some more information about how to get those. Uh, Nintendo's opened a teaser website for Breath of the Wild. If that interests anybody uh as far as collector's items go there's uh ash charizard Mega Man, and more characters are getting awesome new figurines uh you can make your own stuffed sonic or tails plushie at build-a-bear workshop now the sonic one looks super doofy too yeah and uh <laughs> in addition to the pikachu one from last year i can't remember if that's still available but uh you can now make your very own stuffed charmander as well that was uh, a little tempting to me yeah i know uh, and Japan is getting adorable new plushies of Pikachu and Sleeping Mew. Unfortunately, you cannot stuff those yourselves. Uh, if you want to, I guess you can try to find a wild one, but good luck. Uh, someone gorgeously recreated the clock tower from Majora's Mask in virtual reality. Um, there's also a Majora's Mask fan film that was made recently that was incredible. Um, Melee Light is a fan-made remake of Smash Bros. Melee that runs in your web browser. Uh, and Zelda Ocarina of Time's soundtrack is getting a vinyl album live recorded by a full orchestra. I am so there. Oh my <laughs> god, I want this. I hope it gets released digitally too, because I don't want to have to spend money on a vinyl recorder. Or on a vinyl player. <laughs> and now well, I might have, have to. have one of those laying around at college? Uh, I'm sure I could find one if I tried. <laughs> um... Dragon Ball Fusion swords were changed to sticks in the North American release. Because who can forget Trunks and his iconic stick? Uh, I mean, my question is just, like, why why, why are swords a problem? Yeah, and the game's rated T for teen anyway, so it's not like having swords would have boosted the rating beyond what it was. 
But dude, teens are so edgy. I don't know. We might not want to egg them on. <laughs> like if you're if you're a fan of Dragon Ball Z to the point where you're buying a Dragon Ball Z game on 3DS, I think you can probably handle Trunks having a sword. Just probably. <laughs> um, and Nintendo's canceled sequel to Zelda: The Wind Waker was set on land and included horseback riding. Um, of course, this eventually evolved into Twilight Princess. So um, that's where some of those origins take root um and but ben wrote an editorial as well do you want to give it a little pitch there ben yeah sure uh the title is nintendo should keep breath of the wild's place in the zelda timeline a secret and you know up until this point we've seen a lot of breath of the wild but they've kind of kept a lot of the story elements and especially how it relates to other games a secret and i think that spawned a lot of like really fun conversations where uh you know people are debating like oh it's got Korox in it does that mean it has to come after wind waker oh these ruins look like Castletown from Twilight Princess. Does that mean it's after Twilight Princess? And we've seen see last week's episode. Yeah, basically. Uh, um, so, like, there's there's been more debate in the Zelda community than I've seen mm-hmm. in many, many years about where this game takes place in the timeline and what the story is going to be. And it's been exciting for me. And for a game that's all about, like, exploring and creating your own story by interacting with the environment, mm-hmm. I think you can add another layer to that experience by keeping the, the overall chronology a secret and by just letting people explore Hyrule's ruins and temples and towns and sort of piece it together for themselves because there's and no then way share those ideas can... online what's that and then share those ideas online exactly like there's, yeah. there's the zelda timeline so convoluted at this point <laughs> that there's no way you can fit this game in without having some sort of contradiction or retcon so instead of nintendo jumping through hoops to try to explain how this fits with other titles they should leave it ambiguous i think and let the fans jump through those hoops themselves Shout out to more timeline splits. What up? <laughs> yeah, awesome. we need like seven. Awesome. It's going to be so easy to, to keep track of. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, then we've got a bunch of high, of upcoming dates to look out for during our time. Aw- oh, um, I guess before I list off these, uh, you know, if you want to read any more about any of the stories we discussed recently, you know, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see those stories, pull them up. Uh, we've also got tons of little pieces about stuff that sort of came around in the last couple weeks, like tidbits, like... Uh, some of the first known images of Super Mario 64 in black and white. The castle was, you know, uh, looked totally different. Um, Game Explain expertly analyzed the new Breath of the Wild trailer. Uh, like someone recreated the TMNT opening in Mario Paint. So lots of cool stuff you can uh, catch up on in your own time. But uh, for our time away, here are the dates you're going to want to look out for. Uh, as our last little eulogy for this episode. December 12th, Pokemon Sun and Moon's first global mission ends, and Niantic will unveil new Pokemon for Pokemon Go. December 15th, Super Mario Run launches on iPhones for 10 bucks. December 20th, Shantae, Half Genie Hero releases digitally, and also on the 20th, Best Buy will restock the NES Classic Edition. December 24th is your last day to get Meloetta Pokemon trainers. Uh, and a note on that distribution, by the way, that is uh, just for... Uh, XY and Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. 
Uh, cannot do it in Sun and Moon. Uh, December 25th, Pokemon Prism releases a, f- a really great-looking fan hack. Ben, you want to say more on that? Yeah, this has been in development for about eight years, and I've been following the project since it began. The guy who's making it is kind of considered like the, the father of Pokemon hacking. He made the first ever complete Pokemon hack, and a lot of tools that people have used for years to make their Pokemon hacks were uh, either made by him or sort of improved versions of, of old tools that he made a long time ago. Mm. So this is like just a, a love letter to Pokemon fans that's been in development for almost a decade. It's been delayed like five times. Yeah. And I'm just really looking forward to finally getting to play the full version. But it looks really cool. It's a Game Boy Color hack. It's got, mm-hmm. I think, like customizable avatars and just a lot of cool stuff that you yep. can look and forward there's, to. Yep, and there's two full regions to explore that are both yep. completely brand new. And mm-hmm. you can also visit some like historic places from other regions. Like I think you can visit a few towns in Johto and there will be characters from the canon storyline of Pokemon interacting with these these new characters that the the developer created for himself, and the stories kind of intertwine a little bit as well. Yeah, very nice. Um, so December twenty seventh, then Shantae Half Genie Hero gets its physical release on Wii U. December twenty eighth, Devil's Third shuts down its online multiplayer, and nothing and- of value was lost. <laughs> Don't you remember the multiplayer is the best part of the game? <laughs> I mean, that's probably true. <laughs> and the but... rest is so awesome. <laughs> uh, and as we ring in the new year, luckily there is not a lot to look out for. So the only dates to worry about are January 12th. The Nintendo Switch Live events are all happening. They're 12th through 14th. Um, January 14th and 16th, the Nintendo Switch will be playable in Tokyo. And sometime in January, Pokemon Bank's major update is coming. So that might happen before we come back. Um, just keep an eye out to see when you can get Pokemon Bank and use uh, that to transfer your red and blue and yellow captures up through sun and moon Um, because that is going to be really cool. But this marks the end of this week's episode. So everybody, thank you all so much for listening. This is the Endo Nintendo Week for today and for 2016. Good riddance. Uh, If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. Uh, YouTube has recently changed a lot of their formulas, so if you like what we do, one of the best ways you can support us is subscribe on YouTube, watch those videos, watch through them. They're really entertaining, so it's worth it. Um, And, you know, like them, comment on them, things like that. Um, Just show your support that way. Um, And But, you know, if you don't want to, that's also totally fine. You can please head to iTunes to leave us a review. We're working really Really hard to make the show great for you guys so those itunes reviews really mean a lot they help listeners discover the show so if you haven't done that please do it's greatly appreciated and uh, we could use the support in those various media for uh for doing this free stuff every week um if you have feedback for nintendo week please send it to colin at gamnesia.com or you can find me on twitter at colin mcisaac that's c-o-l-i-n at g-a-m-n-e-s-i-a.com you know how to spell dot com and at C-O-L-I-N-M-C-I-S-A-A-C for Twitter. So, you know, you remember you can send in your questions about Nintendo. You can send in questions about our show. We love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show just like we did last week. So that's a great way to get involved. Again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com and at Colin McIsaac. And Ben, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Aramgard. That's E-R-I-M-G-A-R-D. So edgy. 
know, and, right? and if you cannot wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. And you can also join the Facebook group Nintendo Week Fun Club to chat with us and other listeners about all things Nintendo. On our way out, please enjoy a jazz arrangement of the Vast Pony Canyon theme from Pokemon Sun and Moon by Insane in the Rain Music. Thank you all so much for listening, and we hope you have a great week, a great holiday, and a great new year. Bye! Thank you.